Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mooney Ponds Baptist Church Podcast. Here we upload our weekly teachings that happen every Sunday at our 10 a.m. service. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us and check out our website at mpbc.org.au. Today's reading comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Well, let me pray. Great God, I want to thank you that you are here and that you are present with us by your spirit. Well, we remember those who have perished, who have died, who have laid down their lives for us, for the freedom of this country. But we also remember you who laid yourself, laid your life down for us. And we, we come in remembrance of that and we come in celebration of that this morning. We pray that you'd open our hearts, Spirit of God, to what you have to say to us this morning through your word. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, many of you know that uh, the Tokyo Olympics are sort of just around the corner. I'm not really sure if they're going to go ahead or not, but anyway, they are around the corner. And later this year, they're meant to go ahead because they were cancelled last year, as we know, because of the COVID pandemic. And a lot of athletes have been quite focused on these games for some time, many of them their whole lives. You see, to have a chance of winning a medal in the Olympic Games, you can't take a casual approach, even with natural talent. You, uh, it still requires many, many years of focused preparation for anyone who wants to even have the slimmest chance of winning a medal at the Olympics. Now, I used to be an athlete. I used the past tense there. Though uh, I'm sure just looking at me, you think, well, yeah, look, yeah, he's an athlete. I used to run middle distance and I used to do cross country and used to do high jump. In fact, I represented South Australia for cross country and uh, I won a gold medal in high jump in uh, South Australia when I was about 15. Don't ask me to jump up the stairs these days because I probably wouldn't make it. But um, from around the age of 10 uh, and well into my teenage years, I was, I was completely focused on sport. And, uh, and I was completely focused on my athletics because I had this one goal in mind. And my goal was to one day represent Australia 
in, in one of these sports. It didn't turn out that way. Not yet anyway, there's still lawn bowls. Uh, but it was a gruelling lifestyle. Lots of early mornings, lots of after school training and rain, hail and shine. Also had a special diet of sustagen. Just actually mentioning that word sustagen sort of makes me a little nauseous today. I drank so much of it, made them rich. But I found that this thirst, my thirst for training and competing sort of waned as I got into my teenage years and my attention began to be drawn to other things. And I focused less on my athletics and as I fo focused less on my athletics, I found that my abilities in athletics and my enjoyment of the sport also began to decline. Today I still run, but I can't unfortunately call myself an athlete anymore. Technically I'm a jogger. Now there's nothing wrong with joggers. Jogging's okay. In fact, I celebrate anyone who's moving. If you're moving, I give you a clap. Uh, that's a good thing. But my faith journey with God has been somewhat like my journey in sport at different times. Sometimes I've been very focused on knowing God and seeking to know his will. These times I'd say that I was spiritually fit, excited about God, even, even filled with joy, even as I went through different struggles in my life. At other times, my journey with God felt a bit like I was jogging. I was still moving, but uh, it was an effort. And uh, it was not something that was really that enjoyable. I was doing it just to maintain a bit of spiritual fitness. And still at other times, I've found myself quite static in my relationship with God, seeming not to be really moving or going anywhere. And so during those times, I, I was not focused on Jesus. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't moving towards Jesus. And instead, I found myself motivated by other things. And during these times, I, I didn't know great joy and I didn't know great peace with God, with myself, even with other people. And I found myself distracted and not really that healthy. Perhaps you can relate to one of those scenarios yourself this morning in your own life. If you are a spiritual athlete this morning in your walk with God, then I celebrate that with you. I'm delighted for you. Keep it up. But others of you this morning might identify with one of the other scenarios that I've mentioned. You might be feeling like you're just jogging or you might feel like you're at a slow walk or you might even feel like you're stationary and you wonder how you can actually get the spiritual mojo back that you once knew. This morning you might be someone who's been a Christian for just a short while, or even one who's been a Christian for a long time. But you can remember, you can still remember when you first came to Jesus, when you be first became a follower of Jesus, and how excited you were about Jesus. But today you're not sure where that person went, or how, to, how you got to the place of being static or stationary, and how you got to this place of feeling dry and a bit lifeless. 
In athletic terms, we would say you've gone from being an athlete with great passion and drive and movement with goals to someone who is really hardly moving. Well, the good news this morning and today is that for those who feel this way, is that there is a way back to spiritual fitness and vitality. And in uh, the letter to the Philippians, Paul tells the Philippians, the, the Philippian believers there, his own testimony about his own life to encourage them and to tell them how they can keep on growing in their relationship with Jesus, even after many years of, of following him, so that, uh, so that the Philippians can know Jesus more and experience the benefits of knowing Jesus. The way that Paul does this is by giving the Philippians a running analogy that describes his own Christian journey. Although Paul is is getting on in years, he might not be uh, sort of physically classified as an athlete anymore, but he would be classified still as a spiritual athlete in terms of how he seeks after God. You see, after many years, Paul hadn't stopped seeking Jesus. He's still running hard. He's still pressing on so that he can know Jesus more. Paul doesn't tell the Philippians his his testimony about his own spiritual journey because he he wants them to think that uh, that Christianity is just about effort. But he also doesn't want the Philippians to think that following Jesus is just about a sort of free-floating, let whatever happen in life happen. He wants them to grasp the tension that exists in the Christian life, which is that Jesus has done everything for us so that we can know peace with God, while at the same time there's this call to pursue Jesus with every fibre of our being so that we can know Jesus more and so that we can experience Jesus more. The Philippians would have thought, in their own minds, that Paul's a bit of a spiritual, super, you know, a spiritual superstar. Like many of us, when we read the New Testament, we read about Paul in the New Testament, we sort of put him up on this different level to us. But Paul doesn't want this. What Paul, what Paul wants the Philippians and us to know is that he also struggles with wanting to give up. He also struggles with being dry. He also struggles with, with feeling stagnant at times. He knows that uh, he needs, though, like an athlete, to keep pursuing the prize of knowing Jesus more because it's only through knowing Jesus that he will experience true joy and peace and righteousness that Jesus actually won for him and he will know that in increasing measure. So how does Paul press on? How does he keep doing it? can't seem to click that one on. One way that Paul keeps seeking to know Jesus more is by admitting to himself that he hasn't arrived. He hadn't come to a place where he could stop seeking to know Jesus more. You see? This wasn't always the way that Paul thought about himself. You see, previously he thought of himself as having arrived spiritually. In Philippians 3.6 he says that he used to think of himself as spiritually fit and spiritually healthy. 
But what his problem was is he was using uh, the wrong measuring system to check his spiritual fitness and his spiritual, his spiritual BMI. He was very religious. He kept all the laws. He went to the synagogue. But guess what? He didn't know Jesus. By admitting that he had not spiritually, he had not spiritually arrived, he, rem he reminded him that he needed to still keep active. Not because he felt that he would lose the race or lose his salvation, but because he wanted to win the prize. He wanted to get all the benefits from running the race to the finish line. You see, the prize that, that Paul sought it actually grew richer in value the more he pursued it. The prize wasn't about just getting to heaven, crossing that line and go, oh, finally here. The prize that Paul was seeking was to know Jesus more because the more he knew Jesus, the deeper and more profound his joy became and his peace became and the more his understanding of what God had done for him grew deeper and deeper. The goal that Paul was running after was to know Jesus more so that he could experience all the benefits of being in a relationship with him in this lifetime and also in the next. Being in a relationship with Jesus is actually like getting married to someone. You see, when you get married, you're starry-eyed. You can remember it, many of you. But you don't really know the person that you, that you were marrying, that you married very well at all. You're, you're attracted enough to the person to get hitched to them and to commit to each other. But only if you continue to pursue that person that you've married and you seek to get to know them over, over 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 or 70 years like the, like the Queen and Prince Philip did, then your love for them and your appreciation of them will be so much deeper. And the benefits of knowing this person will be so, so deeply felt in your life and you'll feel them in such profound ways. Imagine if you stopped seeking to know your wife or your husband after your wedding day or even a, after a year or two of marriage. Your marriage would would then be sort of cold and dry and lifeless, without any depth, without any trust, without any vibrance. The same is true of our relationship with Jesus. You see, being, being a Christian can also feel cold and like a dry ritual unless you are prepared to press on and pursue the goal of knowing Jesus more. And, and in doing so, you will gain all of the prizes that come from knowing him more. Okay, you say, how do I do this? How do I press on? How do I know Jesus more? Paul tells us how. He says he's, he's actually learned to forget some things in his life so that he can keep pressing on towards knowing Jesus. What he means is he won't allow either his past failures or his past achievements to stop him going on and seeking to know Jesus more. You see, the modern world tells you to, 
to remember your past, especially all the junk in it, and focus on it. It also tells you that your past will determine your future and there's no escaping it. It's like your genetic code and it can't be easily altered. If you had a bad childhood or you made some terrible mistakes, then the world's telling us that you can carry these things with you and you're unable to leave them behind. Perhaps you even tell yourself that. Sometimes we try to deal with, with these issues by burying them deep or we try to, to, uh, to medicate ourselves out of them with substances. But they remain deep in the recesses of our minds and they constantly remind us of our failures or they remind us that we're nothing or they make us think that we're nothing or they make us think that we're damaged, too damaged or that Jesus can't forgive us. But the good news of Jesus is that our past doesn't have to determine the rest of your life because of what Jesus has done and because his spirit, whom he's actually placed in you, is more powerful and can help you overcome those things or help you with those things. We should listen to Paul here because if anyone could have let his past determine his future, then it should have been him. You think because Paul wrote the New Testament and he was a missionary, that he was always just a, a good all-round guy, a sort of spiritual superstar. But before Paul became, before Paul became, uh, came to know Jesus, he was a guy who actually hunted down and persecuted Christians. His life would have, would have been an awesome Netflix, Netflix thriller. Can you imagine it? I've already got the scenes plotted out in my mind. He was a bit of a nasty dude. But we don't hear Paul saying, oh, I'm limited by my past. My previous experience has made me damaged goods. We don't hear him say that. Paul simply forgets these failures and he runs towards Jesus and he leaves his junk with Jesus. And the good news for us is that any of us can do the same thing too. And this is what the good news is. This is what the good news of Jesus is, my friends. It's, a, it's that God can heal your past. Your future is not limited. You're not damaged goods. You are, you're not so far gone that God cannot open up a glorious new future for you starting today. Friends, you need to follow Paul's lead. You need to forget your failures and just run and pursue Jesus with everything you have. You see, every Christian has failed at some point. Some really badly. Look in the Bible and look at all the biblical heroes. Look at their list of failures. There's only one person without failures in Scripture and without sin, and this is Jesus, the one whom we are being called to follow and the one we're being called to know. Because only he can give us what we truly seek and what we truly need. If you constantly look back on your failures, you'll stumble and you'll lose focus on Jesus and you'll lose focus on the prize and you'll spiral into a sort of despair. When I was training for uh, middle distance and cross-country running, 
my coach constantly told me not to look back, not to look back when I was running, but to keep my eyes on the track and to keep my eyes on the goal. Because we all know what happens when, uh, when we look back when we're running. What happens? We, we stumble. We trip over. You feel intimidated by the competition who's just there behind you. When you look over to see that they're there, guess what happens? They pass you on this side and then it's too late. They're gone. Not that that ever happened to me, of course. <laughs> Paul says that he, he doesn't look back. He says he does one thing. He fixes his eyes on Jesus and pursues him in order to win the prize. But it's not only past failures that Paul forgets as he presses on to know Jesus more. He also forgets his past achievements. And this sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? You can, you can imagine forgetting your past failures, but why would, you, why would Paul forget his past achievements? What he means is that he doesn't use his past achievements as an excuse to stop him pressing on. He doesn't cling to those glory days in the past when he was in his teens or when he was in his 20s or when he was in his midlife. Oh, that's when I was hot for Jesus. Paul realised that he, he's in an ongoing race. He's in an ultra marathon. And his past achievements don't help him in that race. You see, Paul is like a professional athlete in his attitude to his past achievements. You see, what do, what do professional sports people do? They celebrate their wins, but they know that their past wins don't count in terms of the next game that's coming along. They need to keep on going to win the prize. Ash Barty uh, is the number one ranked female tennis player in the world. She's very talented. She's won several, several Grand Slams, but Ash Barty doesn't just expect that her past achievements will mean that she'll keep on winning. She has a goal of winning more tournaments. And so what does she do? She perseveres. She keeps training. She keeps pursuing. She keeps seeking to understand the game more and to be fit for the next match so that she can win the prize. Paul wasn't a tennis player and he wasn't a, an athlete, but he had some amazing wins as a Christian leader. He could have lived off those wins for the rest of his life. He could have thought, oh, I've done enough. Yeah, I was a youth leader when I was younger. I did this, I did that. I'll just coast now all the way to heaven. But Paul does just the opposite. Not letting his achievements make him lazy, he forgets them and he presses on. He forgets his failures, he forgets his achievements and he presses on like an athlete in order to know Jesus more. This is the one thing that Paul does. He's focused on this one thing because he knows that the prize he is seeking is worth it. What can be, be, what can be a better prize than experiencing peace with God? What can be better than experiencing peace with yourself? What can be better than experiencing peace with the people around you? 
What could be better than experiencing a deepening joy in your life despite the circumstances that you face at this time? And what could be better than being made clean and actually feeling clean from all the junk and rubbish in your life? Nothing. Nothing is better than that. Friends, this is the prize of knowing Jesus more and you can experience that in growing manner from today. How can you experience this, you ask? Paul tells us how. It's very simple. In Philippians 3.13 says, I do one thing. I do one thing. That's it. You see, Paul is a one thing guy. His one thing is that he passionately seeks to know Jesus more. He does, he does this by forgetting his failures and his past achievements and strains to know Jesus more. This is the one thing that Paul does. What's your one thing? If you ask the people around you who know you well what your one thing is, what would they say? Would it be like Paul's one thing? That you're seeking to know Jesus more? You see, in the end, it is only by pursuing Christ Jesus and seeking to know him that you'll win the prize of experiencing peace with God and with yourself and with others of knowing joy unlimited and a righteousness that you can't achieve on your own account or by yourself and also eternal life. What's one change that you could make in your life in order to pursue the one thing that matters most in life? If I stated that negatively, what sin or habit or activity or attitude can you throw off in order to run the race better and seek Jesus. What is that one thing? Or stated positively, what could you begin doing today, this week, that you aren't doing right now in your life that would enable you to know Jesus more? Don't underestimate the power of making a single change in your life. You see, your life is not made up of sort of segmented boxes of things. We don't sort of have a spiritual life and a school life and a work life and a home life. We have one integrated life and a change will impact all areas of your life. Just one change can affect you. Just one change can impact your family, your marriage, your friendships, your interaction in church your interaction in the neighbourhood around you. If you want to know Jesus more, then you will need to ponder him more. Perhaps that's the one thing that you need to do. Maybe you need to read more of God's word or listen to more of God's word. Maybe you listen, need to listen to more podcasts uh, where people can tell you how you can understand what the Bible says more. There are many options for learning today. It's striking, isn't it, at the end of Paul's life. We actually find him, what did we find him doing? We find him actually requesting a book. 
not just a book, his books. In 2 Timothy 4.13, he asked Timothy, he says, bring my coat and my books and my notes. <laughs> Doesn't Paul know enough already? Paul, you see, he wasn't satisfied because his goal was to know Jesus more so that he could experience more of Jesus. If you want to see a positive change in your life in which you experience the benefits of knowing Jesus more, then think also about how you spend your time and how you spend your money. How you use these will often reveal what your one thing is. In Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, Paul says that we are to make the most of every opportunity in our lives. My friend uh, Hua Stone, whom I talked about a few weeks ago uh, in my message, he was a one-thing guy. Hua was a young Vietnamese-Australian guy from South Australia who I went to college with. Uh, he... Um, he had polio when he was a boy and after growing up in Adelaide he, and doing theological college, he went back to Vietnam to minister to children with disabilities and also to the families of those with disabilities. I received some really sad news last week that Hua had passed away in Vietnam. He was only 54 years of age. But what I can say about Hua Stone is that he was a one-thing guy like Paul and he wanted to know Jesus more and he wanted to see others experience Jesus more as well. You see, Hua had every reason not to be a one-thing guy. He had so many things that he could have remembered and allowed him to stop him knowing Jesus more and to prevent him from experiencing peace with God. But when Wa met Jesus, he began to forget in a positive way. He forgot that he'd been orphaned in Vietnam. And as he saw Jesus more, Jesus healed his pain. He forgot his heroin addiction that gripped him in his teenage years. And he sought to know Jesus more to help him overcome this addiction. He forgot that he was a poor student in high school and went to Bible college anyway in order to know Jesus more and so that he could help other people know Jesus more as well. He forgot his physical disabilities. He forgot that his legs didn't work. And he forgot that he could only move his body with the help of his crutches. And he went back to Vietnam and he started an orphan care centre. Hua forgot these things and he pressed on seeking the prize of knowing Jesus more and in turn experienced peace with God, peace with himself, peace with others and an acceptance from God. He forgot himself and in straining to know Jesus more, he gained an ability to care deeply about the needs of others and to seek their well-being as well. What about you this morning? Is it a time you became a one-thing person like Paul and like Hua? 
Isn't it time to forget the things that have weighed you down and have prevented you knowing Jesus more and to pursue the one thing that matters most in life? Isn't it time to seek the one person who can actually turn your life around? Jesus. Today I want to encourage you to take a moment as, uh, as we sing our final song and even a few moments after the service to think about where you are in your journey with Jesus. Are you stationary? Is your relationship with Jesus dry? Do you feel defeated by sin, by a habit? Perhaps you've been coasting along on your past experience of God that you had when you were younger and forgotten to keep moving towards him. Today, let's listen to Paul and to follow his example. I want to encourage you to choose the one thing worth pursuing in life because only knowing Jesus will enable you to win the prize. As that old song goes that we know, apart from Jesus, all other ground is sinking ground. It's not solid. Do something concrete about your life today, whether you have an addiction to pornography or alcohol or drugs or consumerism, whether you're addicted to online shopping or online gaming or gambling, whether you're addicted to gossip or to eating food, or whether you're just living like an old footballer on your past Christian experiences. Friends, Jesus is here today and he invites you to know him more so that you can experience him and experience a revitalization and a freedom in your life from those snares and begin a new life in him. I want to invite the band to come up now. Friends, when we choose to do this one thing, we will see change in our lives and in our church. We will see a ripple effect in our relationships with our spouse, with our children, with our colleagues. We'll see a change in how our community sees us and engages with us. You see, because it's not possible for people to seek to know Jesus more without being changed to be like Jesus more. Friends, this is what will change the world. A community of people forgetting their past and running after Jesus to know him more. Jesus invites you to build your life on him. His arms are open wide. Forgiveness and grace are available to you. Second and third and fourth chances are available to you this morning as, you, as Jesus is the, is the actual master of all these. Jesus invites you to come and to know him more today to build your life on him.